Good morning. It is good to be in the Lord's house today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30 today. Isaiah chapter 30, I want to speak to you on the subject, how long are you going to keep God waiting? Not very many of us like waiting for things, do we? Um, it's something that most of us suffer from a little bit of impatience. And I thought this was a very interesting passage of Scripture because it really says the Lord waits for us. And many times we find ourselves waiting on God, and we're going to talk about that in the message, but by the end of the message, I want you to see that ultimately God is waiting on us to start waiting on Him. And in the midst of all this, there's so many blessings. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. Did you notice there that it said the Lord waits? And, uh, and he waits to give us these things, this love and this mercy and this justice. And, and maybe you at times have said, if God's waiting to give me that stuff, what is he waiting for? Just go ahead and let go and, and let me have it all and let me have it right now. And then the verse goes on and it says at the end there, blessed are all those who wait for him. And so you could also ask yourself the question is, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for to serve God? And when we talk about waiting this morning, I want to just give you some things to think about or remember as we talk about waiting on the Lord. First is this, waiting is easier to talk about than to actually do. Amen? And we can come in here and we can talk to folks that are having struggles in their life or they're, they're waiting on things to happen. They're waiting for God to move in a powerful way. And, you know, the, the pat answer we give them is just wait on the Lord. And we like to go to Isaiah. I love the passage about wait on the Lord and you'll mount up with wings like eagles. And, and so we say wait on the Lord, but it's easier to just say wait than it is to actually wait. Second, when we talk about waiting on God is this, be compassionate when encouraging those who are waiting. Don't be so calloused and don't be so flippant and just push it off and realize that when folks are waiting on God, they need a little mercy. They need a little compassion. They need you to feel with them. Um, we wait on God for all sorts of things. Uh, there are those who wait on God maybe for someone they love to accept Christ as their Savior. And many of you know that. You either have a spouse that you've been waiting for God to move in their hearts, and you've been waiting for this spouse to come to know the Lord. And maybe you've waited years, and that's a difficult thing to wait that period of time. Maybe you're here and, and you've been waiting for God to open up a, a new relationship for you. And uh, it's easy for those of us that are married, amen, to tell those that are single, hey, wait on the Lord. It's easy when you've got someone to tell someone else to wait. Or maybe it's a, a, a woman that wants to have a child. And isn't it interesting, sometimes uh, we look around us and everyone's having children and we want to have a child so bad and we end up waiting and we got to be careful and compassionate to understand it's not easy to wait on the Lord. And there are all sorts of things. Maybe it's a, a family crisis that you're going through and, and you're praying and you're trusting God and, and you're hoping beyond hope and, and all of these, and you're waiting for God to move. And it's not easy to wait, is it? We get impatient. And the third, and I've kind of already alluded to that, is it's easy to say wait on the Lord when you are not the one waiting. So uh, as we talk about waiting on God, keep those things in mind. Let me give you some things this morning about waiting on God. Number one, waiting on the Lord has some benefits. 
There's some good to it, believe it or not. Um, you know, many times when we wait on things, we're a little bit more excited about them. I read an author this last week, and she said there are two types of waiting. There are those who wait passively, and those are, there are those who wait expectantly. The passive waiters are those that are just, everything's out of my control, and I'm just sitting here waiting for something to happen. And she says those types are the ones that often give up in the waiting. But there are those who wait expectantly. In other words, they're not just sitting there waiting for time to go by, but they're really expecting God to do something. There's this hope. There's this faith. There's this trust that God is going to come through. I just need to hold on long enough to see what God has for me. But waiting on the Lord, as frustrating as it can be, has benefits. And one of those is this. Waiting on God keeps me safe. When we don't wait on the Lord, when we get off and do our own thing and get ahead of God, we find ourselves in trouble. And the safest bet whenever you're faced with any circumstance is to wait on God. Don't be so quick to act. Don't be so quick to take, take matters into your own hands. Wait on the Lord. It'll keep you safe. Psalms 33 verse 20 said this, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And remember, he said, if we wait on the Lord, he says, He's our help and our shield. He's our help and our shield. He shields us from harm. I'm all for having a shield if someone's throwing darts at me. I'm all for having a shield if there's a way to be safe from harm. And he says, our hearts will be made glad in him. In other words, we can have joy even when we're waiting on God. When we're waiting on him to move, we can have this joy. He says, our hearts will be glad. And then he said, your steadfast love will be upon us. And I, I like that. Our desire as we wait on God should be that his love is written all over us. That people see that even though we're waiting, it is evident that God loves us and we love God. The love of God is all over. So waiting on God keeps us safe. It also keeps us strong. Believe it or not, that's one of the benefits of waiting is it it makes us stronger. It gives us endurance. It gives us strength. And Isaiah 40 and 31, and I alluded to it, says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If you've ever waited on God, that perhaps is one of the main benefits we see out of it is the longer we wait, the greater our faith sometimes is. And we become strong. We've learned that God comes through if we wait. And waiting on the Lord also has the benefit of just bringing us peace. Psalms 37, 7 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. That's, again, easy to say, tough to do. He says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. And then in verse 11, he says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. When we learn to wait on God, one of the benefits is it brings peace into our lives. The psalmist says, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. And then he goes on to say, quit worrying about those that seem like they're getting ahead, even though they're not serving the Lord. He says, don't fret yourself over the one who prospers in his evil ways. Isn't that the way it seems sometimes? 
You might be waiting on God to do something in your life. And, and maybe you look around you and you see others out there in this world who don't serve God, who don't trust God, who don't read their Bibles, who don't have a faith in God. And it seems like they are not waiting for anything. It's just coming their way. And here you are, you're in church and you're praying and you're singing and, and you're living the way you ought to. And you're saying, God, why are you making me wait? He says, don't worry about that. Their day will come, is what he's telling us. And ultimately, he says, if we wait on God, he says, he'll give us abundant peace. He'll give us this peace that is beyond all understanding. So there are some benefits to waiting on God, and those are just a few. And then secondly, there are things to do while we're waiting for the Lord. And I've found that that's sometimes the, big, the biggest blessing, isn't it? When we've got something to wait for, isn't it nice to have something to occupy our minds? Those of you that have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you go somewhere and there's a waiting process, we always bring things for them, don't we? Coloring books and toys and puzzles, because if they have something to keep them busy, the waiting is a little bit more tolerable. Uh, we learned very quickly when we would take long trips, uh, man, we'd get the girls all kinds of things to occupy their time in the back seat. Kathy wanted to actually put a, a wall up between the front seat and the back seat. Uh, and I said, no, we can't do that, but we can keep them busy while they wait. But waiting on the Lord, there are things that we can do. That we don't just have to sit around and, and be impatient. There are stuff that, that keep us busy. And one of those is this. While we're waiting on God, we should pray for God's will in our lives. Instead of just waiting for it to happen, spend your time praying for God's will. And it might be that the thing we're waiting on isn't even God's will for our lives. And wouldn't that be interesting if while we're waiting on that to happen, we're praying for his will, and all of a sudden he reveals to us because of our prayers, that's not my will for your life. And then we realize, I can stop waiting. I don't even have to wait for this anymore. Or maybe we pray and God, God reveals to us that it is his will for our life, but that he's working something out for us that's even better than what we've expected. Pray. While you wait for God's will. Verse 13 of Psalms 106 says, But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, it says. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. The psalmist speaks of the children of Israel. And remember, as they're wandering through the wilderness, God has done so much for them. He's delivered them out of Egypt. He's provided for them. And he's kept them safe. But if you follow the children of Israel through the, land, uh, through the wilderness, they're always grumbling and complaining. Even though they're delivered, they get out in the desert and they don't like the food out there. They miss, I guess, the Egyptians cooking. They miss the leeks and the onions, the Bible says. And, and so they go out there and, and then they want water. And they're out there waiting. In it. And in verse 13, he says, they forgot his works and they did not wait for his counsel. And so as they got impatient, they began to grumble. And they got exactly what they wanted. And maybe their grumbling even worked. It got them what they wanted and they got it quicker. But it wasn't what they wanted. And as a result of that, God gave them what they wanted, but he caused a disease to come among them because of their grumbling and complaining. And many souls died. We need to be careful when we wait for God that we're not quick to find our own solutions. Pray for God's will. Don't be guilty of not waiting for His counsel, for His wisdom. 
They wanted what they wanted more than they wanted what God wanted for their lives. You ever been there? Had something you just knew, I've got to have this. And maybe eventually God revealed it to you, even though you want it, it's not what I want for you. We should want God's will more than anything else. And while we're waiting on God, we can do another thing. We can prepare for when God does move. If we truly believe that God is going to do something and we're just waiting for it to happen, why not get prepared for it to happen? Why not just be ready for it to happen? Uh, If you're praying for a big screen TV, guys, before the football season shows up, and you're waiting on God to bless you with that big 60-inch TV, why not clear space on the wall so that you're prepared when it does happen? Amen? And that's kind of a silly thing, but whatever you're asking God for in your life and whatever you're waiting for, be prepared for it. Get yourself ready for that, whatever it is. If you're asking God for a a great job uh, one day, one that you can provide for your family with, why not use the time while you're waiting to prepare for that? Young people, we're, uh, young people in high school and college, man, they're just dreaming of the career they're going to have one day, and they wait for that. Why not use the time to prepare for it? Use that time wisely. Proverbs 21, 31 says this, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. In other words, there's a, a day of battle coming, he says, and we can make the horse ready. We can prepare our weapons. We can prepare the chariots. We can prepare everything else, he says, but ultimately we wait for God because it's God that gives us victory. We can have everything we think we need, and we can get it all ready to go, but it's God that gives us the victory. Psalms 33 kind of alludes to that also. He says, the war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. And then he says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So as we wait on God, go ahead and prepare for what God is going to do. Get prepared. Do what's within our power in this situation, but don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of God. We can prepare for battle, but it's God that gives us a victory. So prepare. And then we can also do this, and this might be a tough one. As we wait for God, stop trying to control everything. How many of you in here are honest and you'd say, man, I am a control freak. It has to be my way. It has to be at a certain time. It has to be a certain place. And man, we just want to control all of life's circumstances. But we've all been around long enough to know we can't control everything in life, can we? Things happen. Whether we expected them or not, things happen. And maybe one of the reasons we are waiting is till we can just finally humble ourselves and realize God's in control, not me. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, or due time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. He says, get yourself humble, and realize that at the right time, God's going to do something. And until then, He says, take all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties, and just put them on God, because He cares for you. And that's difficult, isn't it? Stop trying to control everything. God will do what he's going to do, and he's going to do it when he decides to do it. And so there are things we can do. 
And third this morning, there are some things we should remember about God's timing. Number one, God's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. I mean, think about that. Uh, It couldn't be anything other than perfect if he's God. And his timing never seems quick enough for us. But we're always ahead of the schedule, aren't we? And maybe sometimes his timing is really fast and we drag our feet and say, God, I'm not ready for this. But make no mistake, God's timing is always perfect. He moves and he moves at the right time. First Peter said that we should humble ourselves because at the proper time, God would exalt us. And when you look through scriptures, what I I discovered over the last several weeks preparing for this message is that it seems like all of God's people in scriptures, in one way or another, had to wait on God. I mean, you, you just go back and you trace it and you see that Abraham had to wait for God. He was given a promise of a child, and yet he had to wait for that promise. And and we could go on and list person after person in the Bible that had to wait on God. And Abraham's also a good example of someone who got impatient as they waited on God. Abraham and his wife waiting on this child in their old age, and finally they decided God's not moving quick enough. We have to take care of this ourselves. And so they had the whole adultery thing with the handmaid, and Ishmael was born, and what a problem that sprung up. And so not only have people in the Scripture had to wait, but know this, nothing good ever comes from getting ahead of God. I mean, whatever you're longing and waiting for God to do in your life, it's not going to do any good to get ahead of God. It'll only cause damage. You can find that Joseph waited on God. He had a dream of of where he would eventually end up one day and how that God would take care of him and his family. And yet he had to wait for years for that to transpire. Even go to the book of Acts and you find that Jesus, when he left this earth, he gave instructions to his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come. We're always told to wait on God, but God's timing is always perfect. Not only that, something about God's timing is this, and and this is difficult to understand, but it is so true. My time is in God's hands. My schedule is in God's hands. You ever started your day out and you had it all planned out? This is what I'm going to do. And by the time you got to the end of the street, your schedule was already messed up, wasn't it? Maybe you had a week off or a day off, and you said, man, I'm going to get all this accomplished. And you got none of it accomplished because something came in and interrupted your plans. Ultimately, my time is in God's hands. Listen to Psalms 31. He says, but I trust in you. O Lord, I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. He said, God, I trust you. And then in the next statement, he says, my time is in your hand. I don't have control over these things. God does. And we get so bent on things happening on our schedule. How many of you decided by the age of 30 you were going to be a millionaire? And maybe you're off by a couple years still. It's in God's hands, isn't it? Or you decided you're going to raise your children. You're going to have children at this point in your life, and, and maybe you didn't, or you had them much sooner than you anticipated. Your schedule's in God. We can make all the plans we want. God moves when God moves. 
Or maybe you decided and you, you banked on, hey, my children are this old now, and by this age they'll be out on their own, and I will have freedom at last in my home. And you look around and your children are still living with you. Your plans and your schedule are not your own, are they? God may have a different plan altogether. He said, my time, God, is in your hands. Another thing to realize about God's timing or God's plan and waiting on God is God's goodness is not restricted to heaven. Psalms 27 says, I love this verse. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, he says. Be strong and let your heart take courage. And again, he says, wait for the Lord. And I wanted to include that verse this morning because I think sometimes as we're waiting on God, we have a tendency to not see anything good that God is doing around us. We've got our minds locked on this one thing we're asking God to do. We're asking God to, you know, give us a child, or we're asking Him to give us a better job, or we're asking Him to give us a, a home, or whatever it is we're waiting on God to do. And as we focus on that, we stop seeing all the goodness around us. And this one thing that we wait for has a tendency to just cloud everything else out, and then life becomes miserable. But David said, I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I think sometimes we get so discouraged as we wait on God that we maybe even adopt a saying kind of like this, well, down here below, we're going to have nothing but troubles. But one day we'll be to heaven, and that'll be great. And it will be great. But there's good things here, too. That God is blessing in your life in one way or another if we just take the time to open our eyes and see what He's doing. I want you to consider the text that we read at the beginning of this message. And in closing, I want us to look back to that Isaiah 30 passage where he said that the Lord waits for us and then tells us to wait on God. And as we look at that, you need to look at verses 1 and 2 before you get to verse 18 because it has a lot to do with it. In fact, the reason God says he's waiting for us is found in these first two verses. Here's what they say. Ah, stubborn children. Ever had any of those? The question here, though, should be, am I ever like that? He says, ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. In those two verses, God lays out some things that will open our eyes, if we look at them carefully, to maybe what God is waiting for to move in our lives in a great way. The first thing that he tells them there is that they were guilty of carrying out a plan, but it wasn't God's plan. The Bible says many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And the question we have to ask ourselves there from that verse is this, is God's plan my plan? Think about that. We make all sorts of plans. And if we're not careful, we begin to make plans and take our plans to God and ask God to bless our plans. And maybe we need to turn that around and say, God, what is your plan for my life? And then align my plans to his plans. 
He said, this people, this stubborn children, he says, they're carrying out a plan. They've got it all planned out. He says, but the problem is, it's not my plan. Maybe God is waiting in our lives because we're not with the program. He's wanting to do something different in our lives. And we are so set on what we want to do, like the stubborn children he talked about in that verse. And until we surrender and give in to God's plan, he may not move. The second thing he says about these people in that verse, he said, they make an alliance, but not of my spirit. And the question we ask ourselves is this, am I being led by the Holy Spirit? He said, they've, they've gone into alliances. They've, they've gone into partnerships, but not by my spirit. In other words, they had set out to get what they wanted, to accomplish what they wanted by making deals everywhere else. If you haven't heard by now, or if you haven't, you know, got the message from Donald Trump, he wrote the book, The Art of the Deal, right? He's the guy that can make the deal work. Listen, when it comes to God, there are no deals. And we've got to be careful that we go out into this world and make a deal to get what we want. Are we being led by the Spirit? 2 Corinthians says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Am I being led by the Spirit? A third thing he accuses them of in this verse, he says they add sin to sin. He says, I'm waiting to bless them because they're adding sin to sin. And I would just say this, sin has a way of quickly multiplying itself, doesn't it? We find ourselves guilty of pursuing our own plan. And then we've got ourselves making alliances with people and it's not part of God's plan for us. And we've lost our faith in God. We've stopped waiting on Him and we've started doing what we want to do. We're going to take care of it ourselves. And it's sin. And it just begins to multiply and it gets worse and worse and worse. And the question we ask is, am I wandering away from God? Maybe God is waiting this morning for us to stop wandering away from Him. For us to get our hearts right with Him. And then He says this, they go out without asking for direction. And the question we ask ourselves is this, am I truly seeking God's direction? Or am I just going out there? I think we need to take time to ask God's direction for our lives. God, what do you want from my life? You say, man, that, that's a tough prayer. And it might be, and, and you might not get the whole answer right now. Maybe what we need to do is start each day and say, God, what's your plan for my life today? What would you have me do today, God? What, what can I do right now, God, to align myself with your plans? Are we asking for God's direction? And then finally, he said this about these people in verse 30, chapter 30. He says that they sought refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and shelter in Egypt. And Pharaoh and Egypt in the Scriptures are oftentimes pictures of the world. The pictures of the world. Israel did not belong in Egypt. They should have followed God. But because they didn't trust God to take care of them, they wanted to go to Pharaoh and let Pharaoh take care of them. 
are we guilty of finding safety and comfort in the things of this world rather than waiting on the Lord? When we look at that verse and he says, the Lord is waiting on us. Maybe he's waiting on me to stop going out and looking for protection other places. The question we ask is, where am I looking for help? Am I really looking for help from God? Or am I going other places? And so because of all this rebellion, God concludes in verse 18 of that text, listen to what he said, therefore, because of these things that we just talked about, he says, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed all, he, he blessed are all those who wait for him. So the real question this morning isn't so much what is God waiting for. And it's not even what am I waiting for. The real question is probably this. How long am I going to make God wait for me to wait on him?